Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome back to yet another edition of the Holtcast. Of course, Cole Pedham here as always back with a, another match preview. This time we're not doing an opposition match preview. Uh, unfortunately, we couldn't find a West Ham United fan that it fit their time schedule. But nonetheless, we have a different guest, another Villa fan. Uh, he's never been on the Holt cast before. So a special Holt cast. Welcome to Tom Cowley. Tom, how are you doing? Yeah, good. Thank you, mate. Um, thanks for having me on. And um, yeah, looking forward to talking about the game and, and other things that we've got coming up. Absolutely. So it's going to be a different kind of uh, kind of a different one to your normal uh, match preview. We're actually going to talk about um, an interesting Villa related topic first. Um, not the most, well, it's not positive at all. It's completely negative in my opinion. Um, and I thought it'd be interesting because Tom is a social media officer for uh, Villa and Proud. That is at Villa and Proud on Twitter. Um, and that topic being that Aston Villa have the most uh, fan-related hate crimes with 13. Um, I, I don't know if that's just in the Premier League or what kind of span that's across. Maybe that's including all the EFL as well. But uh, nonetheless, depressingly, Villa top that. So to kind of break that down, like I said, it's 13 occasions. Um, let's see here. Uh, let's see. Seven related to race, five related to sexual orientation, and one related to religion. So um, it, it is fair to kind of also say that three other clubs, Wolves, Leeds, and Tottenham, basically are tied for second uh, with 10, but nonetheless, we top that with three more. So Tom, to kind of go over this um, in some sort of facet, what are your thoughts on that? What does that kind of say to you as a Villa fan as, and also as a social media officer for Villa and Proud? Um, yeah, there, there's two elements to it, really, I think. Um, there's the side of you that sort of, you see the headline straight away and you and you think, you know, oh, oh my God, we're, we're top of this list, um, this horrendous list that you don't want to be top of at all. Um, but I think it's important to remember as well that it's it's reports. Um, so you can also look at it at, as Villa fans, as a fan base, we report um, hate crimes more than any other any other fan base. So you can you can kind of look at it from a point of view of maybe we're the least tolerant of this minority that do exist. Um, but but it's impossible to say whether it's whether it's that or whether it is that we have more of it that occurs. Um, as we don't know what happens that goes unreported. Because um, I'd imagine 13 in an entire season, although every single incident is, is horrendous. Um, I'd be shocked if it's anywhere near that low, to be honest, um, purely from what we see um, on social media, what, what you see and hear in the ground. And and it, it does, it takes someone to report it for it to be recorded. So it's quite a difficult thing to kind of analyse. Oh, absolutely. No, actually, that's a very good point. I, like Tom correctly said, this was for the 1920 season. Um, so thank you for correcting me there. Because if it was over, say, a span of 10 years or something, that would actually probably seem pretty good. But yeah, you are completely correct in that. 
aspect like it, it's kind of it it doesn't specify no article really goes into detail about how much policing one club uh, does more than another club. So for example, and and this isn't accurate. So say if Villa does it the most and say, for example, I don't know, Chelsea does it the least, like you can't really measure to say how bad it is or how well you're doing with policing it as well. It's just, it's kind of one of those things where people will look at that number and say, well, clearly they're the most, I guess, negatively publicized club in that aspect well you can say that but at the same time is your club policing it as much as our club is is our club doing a good enough job as your club so it's kind of it's kind of a lot of give or take in that aspect of yeah we're gonna top this list but at the end of the day what is the club doing to kind of remove that and to be fair to Villa as a football club we've seen them take action I think it came out literally that day if not the next day and Tom I'm assuming you may have seen this as well I think they were looking to press charges or look into these matters sooner now that of course that's a that's a typical statement that you'll see from any club of course they have to safeguard their own interests and the reputation and yada 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 and those aspects but it's good from kind of a social justice point too that they're dealing with this in what I believe to be the right way, whether it be banishment, whether it be fines, whether it be whatever they can do to get this out of our game that we love so much. So do you have any more thoughts on it or anything like that? Um, yeah, to be honest, I think, I think you're spot on. Um, it, it, you look at things like when we had the, this, this song about Nick Amber, um, that some people didn't have a problem with it. Obviously that's why they were singing it, but um you know, instantly people were calling that out. And um, we saw that recently with um, someone posted a homophobic tweet that um, 99% of the replies are people telling them they're wrong. Um, so, so I think there is definitely cause for optimism, even though we do top this list. Um, and, and, you know, that's, that is why groups like ours exist. We're, we're trying to um, play our part in, in, you know, empowering the fan base to continue to do this sort of thing and to report, any incidents that they have. And if people are empowered to report it, um, if people want to be allies of those that are victims of this abuse, um, it can only help. And, you know, eventually, hopefully we get to a stage where everyone feels safe and everyone feels welcome uh, at Villa Park on social media and and anywhere else around the ground. Oh, 100%. And I think maybe the best way before we get over to the actual uh, preview of the West Ham game on Monday, I think the best thing for people to keep in mind is that I always hate when people, especially when they go on social media and they'll just take it all as the fan base is rotten. Like it's a very small majority and every single fan base has it. I honestly don't care what anybody says. There's just that rotten group of every fan base. It's unfortunate, but it's true. You always have the odd, I don't really want to say it, the odd idiot. It's just, it happens. And whether it's down to how they're brought up or whatever aspect it could be, it's just, it's there. And at some point it becomes the club's job. It becomes, um, I I guess an organization like Villa and proud's job to try to reduce that as well. So um, kudos to you guys for doing that. It's a great initiative and it's, it's more than needed. So I'm very glad to see it's, it's out there, but nonetheless, uh, let's, let's move on to something more hopefully positive. And I guess we'll judge <laughs> that uh, come Monday night, but nonetheless, of course, Villa travel to uh, West Ham on Monday, 8 PM kickoff at the London stadium. Tom kind of initial thoughts on this. How are you feeling? Um, you know, I don't know how to feel about it. I really don't. Um, 
you know, you look at some of the games we played this season and obviously you look at Arsenal, you look at Liverpool, um, even the Leicester game, we really ground out a result there. Um, but then th- there are definitely weaknesses that we've got that I'm not sure whether the, the players know how to address it or the staff know how to address it, let alone let alone us talking about it now. Um, I don't really know what the problem is, but, you know, you look at the Brighton game and we were, we were on top for that first I don't know what it was, 20, 15, 20 minutes before their, before their goal. Um, we we were really pushing them. And I, I was looking at it thinking, if we can score here, this is probably this is probably one of the best um, 20, 30 minutes of football I, I've seen all season. Um, we were really pushing them, but we just couldn't get that final touch. And um, they're playing so far forward as well. Um, the defence, you know, giving, giving Welbeck so much space behind them. And I think um, West Ham with players like Antonio, um, if he's fit, um, you know, pushing forward. Um, if we play too high a line, then then he could cause us some real problems. Oh, absolutely! Like, um, well, if Holtcast listeners listen to the last episode, which would have been the review on the Brighton game, they know me and Danny were not very happy with the defense. There was no defense on the first goal. Um, the fact that you're like 10, 15 yards inside someone's half is a little concerning. I mean, I feel like from yeah. day one, the one of the things you learn in any sport is to with any defenders involved is to have at least one defender back for cover. Um, I think that exemplifies that rule, but nonetheless, it's an interesting one because Villa sit seventh, West Ham are eighth. Um, they have four wins, two draws and three losses. We're sitting on five wins, zero draws instantly enough, interestingly enough, I should say and three losses. So 15 points versus 14 points. Um, when you look at this, is, is this another, I feel like we've had this a few times, but do you think this is one of the true matches where we look at it, especially at this point in the season and say, this is a true measure of where we are, especially with how well West Ham is playing right now? Yeah, hundred percent. You know, um, I think we, so we drew nil nil, didn't we at Villa Park last year? And then we obviously got that one, one at the end of the season. Um, and, it, and it showed that we, we struggled to score goals against this West Ham team. You know, this they, they've been playing three at the back recently as well, which I think is going to be, it's going to be hard for us to break down, but um, yeah, if we if we can come away with a win, uh, hopefully score a couple of goals, um, then that will will show a lot of progress. But uh, but I think yeah, with there's kind of you, you look at it and you think if we play as well as we can, um, we should come away with a win. But um, it's all about for me, it's all about Watkins. It's all about giving him the support that he needs um, against against three centre backs. Yeah, like I say, he could get a bit isolated, and when without Barkley. It's whoever comes in for him or however we set up uh, with him probably looking like he's missing. Um, it, it's, it's how that, those players around him can give Watkins the support he needs, I think. Yeah, and I think the interesting thing here too, Tom, is that if you look at our away record, we're 3-0. and It's... Um, I, I wouldn't expect that last season to, to say the least, no. but uh, <laughs> apparently away comforts is the thing this season. Um, I mean, our, our home record isn't terrible either. I mean, would I like to be a little bit more positive? Of course, but nonetheless, I'll take victories away all the time, just as much as home. So nonetheless, points are points. But what are your thoughts on that? Like the whole home versus away aspect? I mean, there's no fans. So I don't really think at this point, it really makes a difference in my mind for whether you're home or away. But what are your thoughts on that record so far? Do you think that will come into effect at all on uh, Monday? Yeah, for me, to be honest, I think it's more of a, you know, you look at the teams that have beat us and they're teams that are probably around the level that we're at, if we're being honest, kind of this mid-table, probably not going to end up challenging for Europe, but not looking like they're getting relegated. And it's almost, 
for me, I think there's an element of when we play these big teams, we can counter, we can sit back a little bit deeper and we can catch them on the break and in the transitions. But when we're, when we're playing against these mid-table teams that almost you want to go at them, but um, they've still got the quality that they can hurt you. Um, so I think it's almost just trying not to be too complacent. I don't know if it's complacency, um, not not consciously. I don't think they I don't think they're an arrogant uh, set of players. I think they they might just be yeah this little element of thinking we can really go at these teams. We can really sit high. We can press them, and maybe just forgetting your um, defensive responsibilities a little bit. Yeah, I think, to be honest, I think a little bit of naivety plays into it as well. If you look at the Brighton game, I I think we were so attack-oriented and attack-focused, which, uh, to a neutral, it's great to see. I mean, no defending and lots of goals and shots and all that kind of stuff. I mean, there wasn't that many in the Brighton game, but a lot of attacking intent is great for the neutral, very hard uh, hard on the heart for the the opposing fans of either side. But, like, it's going to be interesting, you'd think, and I'd hope, that you go into this game after the Brighton game thinking, okay, there's things we have to work on defensively. We can't go on all go um, all guns blazing. I should say like at some point in my biggest fear, and I've talked about this um, a few times on this podcast was I hope. And I mean, it's not the worst thing because it's the one thing we just couldn't do until we came against Arsenal at the very end to basically save us was, I hope we're not just turning up against the quote unquote top six and I, I, that's my biggest fear this season because, of course, you can look at the Liverpool game. You can look at the Arsenal game. Um, you can look at the Leicester game as well with how well they're doing and how well they have been doing over the last several seasons and think, okay, those are great results. My biggest fear is you're looking at the Brighton game. You're looking – you can even go back to the Sheffield United game the, the very start of the season, the first game, and think we just scraped that through with a bit of luck too. And I don't mind scraping results and it's part of the game and all that kind of stuff, but I'm, I'm just hoping we're not going to just drop points when we do expect it. Now I'm not saying to expect anything against West Ham. Like I said, they're doing very well. They're on a two game win streak and fair enough to them. I think their last two results, albeit I think it was against, I think it was Fulham and Sheffield United, perhaps um, should yeah. do my research there, but nonetheless, those were both one nil so they can easily grind out results. We've seen that of course, David Moyes, doesn't really like to score that many goals historically <laughs> so you kind of get into that aspect too but uh tom let's get on to the kind of ross barkley aspect because it is a massive loss and we've we've kind of seen him have these similar injuries in his career and of course he's expected to miss this game and i think the newcastle united game um, next week as well but nonetheless in your mind how big of a loss is this yeah it's a massive loss isn't it i think um and more more because of what he offers in in terms of taking the pressure off Jack, I think it's not even um, not even specifically just him as a player, but it's it's him his unpredictability. He can run at defenders, he can create a chance where where it means that defenders can't double up on Jack. They can't um, focus too much on him because Barkley will get given the space. And um, and I think that's where we're going to lose lose an element in the attack. We're going to lose that unpredictability a little bit. Um, and you know, hopefully his injury is not that serious because, like you say, he's, he's been injured a few times in his career. Um, and I know sometimes a hamstring, you know, if you're not careful, you can you can really cause some problems. You can pull it again um, and again. It it can become a bit of a weak point. And uh, yeah, I think what concerns me more than anything is I don't, you know, he's actually been injured after both international breaks. I think it is. Correct me if I'm wrong. But um, you know, and I think he's not been anywhere he's been at the club he's been training and especially this time to pull up after a couple of minutes that's 
that is a little bit of a worry for me. And uh, yeah, whether I don't know if he was cold or or what the problem was, but you know, if it's fatigue, you can kind of understand it. But I'm yeah, I'm a little bit concerned to be honest. Yeah, and I think the interesting thing too is there, and you touched on it. Uh, very well was that he does alleviate a lot of pressure from Jack Grealish and I think the other thing too is that a lot of people don't mention is I honestly love the trio of Grealish Barkley and how target overlaps with both of those so well I think if you go to basically any of our wins with those three playing the amount of space it opens up for any one of those three when they all link up and get involved is like there if there was a stat out there for the amount of times that's happened it's probably ridiculous because it's it's beautiful to watch and I, I think that kind of it gives a different aspect too because I think the biggest question now is who comes in do we change up the formation a little bit does Jack come into the middle does he stay out wide does her hand come in or does he stay out? Do you put Triori up? Like where, like kind of where do we put these players? But in your mind, Tom, who kind of comes in to uh, replace Barkley? Um, yeah, for me, it's got to be Connor. Um, yeah, I've seen I've seen a couple of shouts for Jacob Ramsey. Um, I think I'd I'd had him coming off the bench, but I think it's probably a bit too bit too soon for him. But um, yeah, I think I'd have Connor coming in and maybe even put him next to Louise and push McGinn further forward. Um, I think. I think Jack's better on the left now. I think we've kind of put that to bed to an extent with with watching him against Brighton. I know um, it was it was difficult circumstances, but um, yeah, I think when he's in the middle, he just drops a bit too deep. He doesn't quite get into these positions where he's so dangerous. Um, and I think the key is you want your best players in your best positions. Um, mm-hmm. So I think you'd have Jack on the left. I'd keep Trezeguet on the right. I think that front three probably stays stays the same. And yeah, just maybe put McGinn in that in that number sort of number 10 role I suppose but you'd probably be looking at playing a slightly different slightly different way but yeah I'd have I'd have Connor next to Louise yeah no I 100% agree with that I I think it's going to be interesting no matter what happens and who replaces them because if you look at it like you touch on it on it very well as well like if you're having Jack in the middle, you almost need two of them to make up for how deep he gets back. And I think with how deep he gets back, it just, the amount of time it takes to kind of get everyone forward. It was a major issue last season and it just didn't work. And like, I kind of hate the prototypical thing with a lot of people when they say your wingers have to be basically pure pace and have like, if I'm going to use FIFA terms, have like 90 pace out of a hundred. He still has a, pace on him he's still quick but we've also seen that he's powerful I mean he literally bodied Bellerin off the ball and that man is literally full of piss and vinegar when it comes to pace so it's evident that you don't need that and I I think it's obvious the amount of opportunities and what he can create going off the left and off the left and it's going to kind of be interesting especially if it's a back three how much kind of space does that leave him and in my opinion I think it's her hand that comes in I mean the guy was kind of hard done by to be dropped nonetheless I mean he scored against Fulham he had a very good game um and then just kind of haven't really seen him since i mean to be honest i thought when he came on in the brighton game i was actually very impressed with him he does the small things right and i think that's really what you need and have to expect when it's substitution time but i guess the kind of last thing we'll uh we'll touch on before we get into score predictions tom is what do we do with bertrand Troyore? what do you think his impact on this game in particular is like we've kind of assessed that when we both agreed that hurahan starts so what do you kind of expect from him in this game kind of coming off the bench yeah he's got to be in the front three for me um Although saying that, I do think he was better better for Brighton in the first half um, against Brighton. Sorry, um, when he's playing in that kind of number ten role, 
But um, I think he's more naturally he is a winger um, and he goes on the right-hand side. But it depends again because I, for me, he's just too one-footed. Um, I, I don't want to, you know, do him down really. I think I think he is a very skillful, talented player, but he's far too one-footed. And you look at him every time he's getting in a position where he could cross and he's he's cutting back onto his left and kind of the, the chance is gone. Um, and I actually thought El Ghazi, um, to be honest, almost remedied that um, in the Brighton game. But yeah, he's, he's a tricky one. He's, he's unpredictable. Um, I think he's inconsistent though at the minute and I'm not 100% sure he's, he's that fit at the minute. I think he's... he's just come back off his injury. I'm not sure he's match fit for obviously for 90, but off the bench, um, it's just that small, unpredictable change that you can make. That if you need a goal, you never know he could he could get it for you. Yeah, I think when I look at him and I ever I, the one thing I hate about it is I almost I want to call him Adama Traore every freaking time. I don't know why, but uh, maybe I'm not over that whole saga yet. But nonetheless, <laughs> um, with Birch and Traore. Um, it, it's an interesting one because I look at him and I think I don't even know if he knows himself what his perfect position is. It's it's just like he's it's just like he just hasn't figured it out. And I don't think no one has. And it, it's an interesting one because by now in your career, you'd think at least the player himself has found that and he may say he prefers one thing over the other. But nonetheless, barring one season, it just at Leon, it just really seems like it hasn't been a consistent thing and I think that's one thing for him to prove is consistency now of course that's going to be a lot of factors of course training well proving yourself there and then of course once you get into the starting 11 proving your placement in that for the uh, the continuous future really but nonetheless Tom we'll, we'll kind of get things wrapped up now so uh, before we uh, end things uh, what's your score prediction um, again it's such a tough one to call um yeah, I'm going to go 2-1 Villa. Let's let's be optimistic. Um, I think I think they will cause us some problems, but if we show up on the day, we should just about have enough. Yeah, um, I, I don't know. When it comes to West Ham, and especially if you look at the results last season, um, yeah. can score 10 men, and that was probably the most boring draw of my life. And then you had the complete opposite end of the spectrum when it was probably the biggest... Uh, I couldn't eat. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't do anything, but just wait for that final whistle to go. Um, I'm going to go with a one all draw. I think we get our first draw of the season. I think that's a fair point for either side. And to be honest, I would take it. And I think you kind of go into that with some positivity, hopefully with um, minimal amount of goals going into Newcastle with a lot more confidence. I'd take a win as well, but realistically, as long as we don't lose, I honestly could not care less but nonetheless tom before uh kind of wrap things up um could we uh, get your socials do you want to plug anything um yeah so my twitter is at tom c 2312 underscore avfc um and villa and proud is at villa and proud on twitter uh on same as instagram i think um but yeah that's it Brilliant. Well, thanks for joining me, of course. And of course, if people want to find me on Twitter, it's at Talk Aston Villa. You can tweet the 7500 to Holt team at 7500 to Holt. Simple enough. Email the podcast at Holtcast at gmail.com. And of course, we'll see you on, I guess, Tuesday morning. It will be for the review of the West Ham game. Nonetheless, hopefully a positive result on Monday. And don't forget uh, the Villa.
When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.